Welcome to the NutriBlends Animal Ag Podcast, where we tell the truth about American agriculture. On this podcast, false rumors are run out of town. Misleading marketing gets called out for what it is. And you better have good science to back up your claims or you're getting a boot. You hear me? I'm John Ratzenberger, coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee. It seems that receiving cattle and stress is synonymous. Much care goes into the planning process of bringing cattle into an operation and ensuring they stay healthy and and get up on feed quickly. Today we will discuss steps that ensures cattle to do well after arrival. Dr. Chris Reinhardt has spent over 30 years in the beef industry. He has focused on feedlot cattle and has spent time as a feed yard and feed company nutritionist, as well as a pharmaceutical technical services specialist. Dr. Reinhardt spent 11 years on the Kansas State faculty. Chris received his PhD from Kansas State University and his MS from Texas A&M. Welcome, Dr. Chris Reinhardt. Thanks, John. It's really, really exciting for me to be here. You don't get out much, huh? I really don't. No, no, Thank okay. you. Well, good. I'm glad we could provide that for you. Now, a question. What are the critical considerations when managing newly received feedlot cattle? In the feedlot, we intentionally design the receiving health program and the transition feeding program based around the nutritional and the anticipated health status of the calves when they arrive at the feedlot. And to do this, we typically describe the calves as high, medium, or low risk. What about the risks? Our assessment of risk, or I'll call it anticipated risk, is based on our expectation of of the risk of disease that these cattle will get sick after arrival at the feedlot, predominantly based on their previous life experiences. How is risk defined? We define the risk. Uh, And we try to describe, again, before the calves even come, we try to describe what their health status is going to be and also what their nutritional status might have been prior to leaving uh, the ranch they came from. But much of this we can know by knowing how old the cattle are, the weight of the cattle, the distance they've had to travel, uh, and then whether they've been mixed or commingled with many, many sources of cattle. Then when calves arrive, we normally use a visual appraisal to make sure that our anticipated assessment is accurate. So calves are handled differently based on their risk assessment. Yeah, definitely. Because again, we go back and we see what the calves environment was before they left the ranch of origin. If, uh, If calves are described as low risk, for example, that means we're pretty certain they've had a really robust nutritional program. Uh, They've maybe even been exposed to a feedlot type environment. They're ready to eat and perform right off the truck. These calves we handle differently. We know they can handle the transition into the feedlot and, and really just take off and perform. Vice versa, if calves are described as high risk, 
that means any combination of factors. Maybe they've had poor nutritional strat- uh, status coming out of a drought condition, something like that. Maybe they've been hauled a long way from home. Maybe they've been commingled with many other sources of calves. And that commingling isn't necessarily harmful in itself, but it exposes these calves to a bunch of new pathogens that they may have never been exposed to in their life. And so it puts them at a slightly greater risk of disease. The other thing about both the stress of this transition and transportation process, plus maybe if they've had inadequate nutrition, they're going to have a suppressed immune system. So we couple a suppressed immune system with new unknown pathogens, and we've got a greater risk for disease. Good hay, clean water, and rest. Aren't other feeds or nutrients needed? Yeah, definitely. We want to get the entire nutritional package to these calves. But in these, in these special calves that are categorized as high risk or at, at a great uh, high risk for disease, we assume they haven't had access to good feed and water for an extended period of time. And that might mean hours, that might mean days. And so their rumen bacterial population may be very, very suppressed, very, very low populations. And the ruminant animal is special and unique in that that rumen has to be healthy for the animal to digest feed and to be healthy. So giving them free choice, good quality hay, clean water, and the ability to rest is really feeding that rumen population and regenerate those rumen bacteria. And so by letting the calves rest, they'll ruminate that good quality hay and that bug population, we call it, sort of explodes and takes over. And and now that animal is ready to move on and perform. How long does this stage take? That's highly variable. If in some calves, we can monitor them. And if we see they're eating the hay, they're resting, they're robust, they're bright-eyed, we can move those calves up through the process. If, on the other hand, we watch these calves for two days, three days, and they're still depressed, they're tired, they're exhausted, we just take our time and we let those calves adapt to the new environment, make sure they're comfortable, make sure they're in a clean, dry environment, plenty of good, fresh hay. And we offer, as you mentioned, the additional nutrients that are needed, but we just take our time with them because if the rumen isn't healthy, all of our other efforts go for nothing And so we got to get that rumen started right. What happens next? So while these calves are recuperating, we will continue to offer good, clean, long stem, fresh hay, but then we'll start offering them the feedlot diet, the feedlot ration. Uh, Again, as you mentioned, it's going to have grain, it's going to have forage, and it's going to have a complete package of vitamins and minerals. And then over time, as we monitor these calves, They'll slowly consume more and more every day to where we can eliminate the hay from the program and move on and and move upward in the transition program. So, Doctor, what are, what are some of the key nutrients that need to be supplied during this second phase? Right behind energy and protein, we look for potassium. Just like you and I need potassium to run our bodies but also help fight disease, it's absolutely essential for these calves to reestablish their electrolyte balance. And then right behind potassium, we've got copper, zinc, manganese, selenium, cobalt, vitamin A, and vitamin E. 
and these are all going to be essential to contribute to a healthier calf. Do these uh, minerals need to be from Zinpro? Not entirely, John. In fact, we advocate a blend of both what I'll call the conventional inorganic trace minerals in addition to a supply of of the minerals, the Zinpro uh, amino acid complexes. Because number one, uh, we've done some internal work that demonstrates the rumen itself has a requirement for trace minerals. And the conventional form of trace minerals is probably the best way to fortify the rumen microbes for their trace mineral needs. And then as well as there's multiple pathways of trace mineral absorption for the animal. And one of those pathways is for the inorganic form. And the other pathway is the amino acid uh, absorption pathways that we talk about. Are there documented health benefits from feeding Zimpro performance minerals during this period? Yeah, we just finished, uh, completed a 19-study meta-analysis where we found that feeding 7 grams per day of Avela-4, which is a combination of zinc, copper, manganese, and cobalt, reduced feedlot morbidity after arrival by 21% in these high-risk, newly-received feedlot calves. So... If we get them off to a good start, then we can relax? Well, yes and no. Uh, After the first four to six weeks, weather permitting, uh, the risk that we've been talking about of these viral and bacterial infections decreases over time. The calves' stress load decreases. They become more comfortable in their new environment. Their rumen has transitioned and they're, they're eating good quality feed. Uh, But then we have to start monitoring for other risks and other health challenges, and our focus shifts from some of this high-risk viral challenge on keeping cattle comfortable and keeping them eating well every day. Well, it seems like uh, getting cattle started is more of an art than a science. There's no silver bullet and farm-to-farm variation plays an important part into how cattle respond once they hit the bunk. Utilizing all the tools is vital to getting cattle off to a good start. All right, I'd like to thank Dr. Reinhardt from Zinpro for joining us today and encourage our listeners to tune in next week to see what's on tap in animal agriculture.